Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. As for me this morning, I get a chance to take us further in our study of Romans chapter 8. Uh, Pastor Steve, a couple weeks ago, started us out in Romans chapter 8, and it was, uh, man, such a glorious start to a, a new series. We've kind of broken up our study of Romans 5 through 7 and then Romans 8, and we've called our study through Romans 8 unstoppable because it speaks to the unstoppable nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the gospel cannot be stopped, that when the gospel is proclaimed, it brings life in us who believe in Jesus, but it not only changes us, it changes our world. Jesus changes everything. Some have called Romans chapter eight the brightest side of the diamond, and I believe that to be true. It's one of the most glorious chapters in all of the Bible, but it deals with a very important question, arguably one of the most important questions you and I will ever have to deal with, and it's a question of identity. Who are you? Who are you? As a matter of fact, I would argue that there are two questions that are central to the gospel that the New Testament writers take up. The first and most important question of all of life is who is Christ? Who do you say Jesus is? You have to answer that. There's a lot of questions in life that you can get wrong or have some variation or margin for error, but this is a question that you have to get right. How many today agree with me that he is Savior, Lord, resurrected King? He is Lord of Lords, he is King of Kings and Sovereign Savior forever. How many believe that with all of your heart? Now again, some of you may not be convinced of that, and that's okay, I'm glad you're here. Hopefully, as we proclaim the truth of Scripture, your heart will be persuaded as the Spirit of God bears witness within your heart of the truth of the gospel. But you have to answer those two questions. Who is Jesus, and then who am I in light of who he is? And that's what Paul is taking up. So with that being said, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Turn there with me. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 17. And what Paul wants us to do is place our full identity in Christ. I love this quote from Tim, Tim Keller. Some of you know Pastor Tim Keller was a longtime pastor of uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. He says this, but the Bible says that our real problem is building our identity on something other than Christ. That our real problem is building our identity on something other than Christ. Now what's the problem of building our identity on something other than Christ? Well, Tim Keller goes on to say that our identities will always be tied to where we place our hearts. If our hearts are placed in our jobs, our homes, our social status, and if those things are stripped away, we are left empty. The problem with putting your identity in things that will ultimately fade away, that are unsustainable, that will not last, is that one day if those things are stripped away, like we've just seen over the past 18 to 24 months, many people lost jobs, many people lost their sense of identity because it was so wrapped up in our daily routine or our social status or maybe our relationships that we didn't know which way to go, which way was up, 
And this is exactly what Paul wants us to be guarded against, is placing our identity in things that will ultimately not deliver. This world system, the politics, the economics of, of this world, they overpromise, they underdeliver. The only thing that can be a true anchor to our identity, the only thing that gives us strength through the storm is knowing that we are in Christ. That is the greatest identity marker for you and for me. And so when we know our identity, it changes everything. But here's the, the, the gospel, and this is what I want you to know, is that there are times when you and I don't act according to who we are. Anybody ever experienced moments like that where you act outside of character? So when you are not acting as who you are, when you're not living as a Christian, even though you are a Christian, what Paul does with the Romans, what the New Testament does for us when we're not living up to our identity is he doesn't give us more law, he gives us more gospel. In other words, what he does is he reminds us of who we are because we're not gonna be able to will ourselves into Christian identity. It is totally a work of the Spirit. With that introduction, let's look at what Paul says uh, in verses nine through 11. And what we're gonna discover in verses nine through 11 and throughout this, this uh, section of scripture is that believers are no longer slaves, but heirs of Christ. And earlier today, Pastor Joe Crabb, when he was leading us in communion, talked about the benefits of being in Christ. Well, these verses tell us of one of the benefits, and that is that you and I possess spiritual and resurrection life. Verse 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if, there goes that word again, Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If, there goes that word again, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here's what Paul wants us to do. He wants us to settle once and for all the question of identity, who are you? And notice that he starts with explaining who they're not. The first thing he says in verse number nine is that you, however, are not in the flesh. Now why does Paul start there? It's important for us to be clear on who we are not if we're going to be clear on who we are. In Galatians chapter five, and I encourage you to read it, we don't have as much time as I would like in this particular gathering to go through it in detail, but in Galatians chapter five, what Paul explains is the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. This is the real litmus test to know whether or not I am in the flesh and in the spirit. Now, why is this so important? Because of verse number eight. Verse number eight says these words, weighty words. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
Man, that's devastating when you think about the weight of that, that if I don't get this question of identity right, that ultimately what I'm putting at risk is my ability to please God. And be pleasing to God is not just a momentary thing. This is talking about positional status, that if I don't get this right, then it really is the difference between me being in his pleasure or being a son or daughter in his family or not being in his family. So what does it mean then to be in the flesh? To be in the flesh doesn't mean that we, we, we have moments of sin. Even if you're a believer and in Christ, you're gonna have moments or seasons where you struggle with sin. To be in the flesh means to be outside of Christ and to be self-reliant for your own salvation. To be in the spirit means that you are reliant on Christ to save you. So here's my question, who are you trusting to save you? Both in this life and in the life to come. What are you looking to for your strength? Where do you get your power to overcome the challenges of this world? For some of us, we are totally self-reliant. And what Paul wants us to understand is you will never overcome or defeat sin and Satan in the power of your own strength. Have you ever heard someone say that, you know, I'm I'm not gonna uh, uh, come to Christ now because I'm not ready, but when I'm ready, I'm gonna clean myself up and then then I'm gonna come to Christ. Anybody ever heard someone share that type of logic? Here's the problem with that type of logic. If you could clean yourself up and then come to Christ, he wouldn't have had to go to cross for you. But he went to the cross precisely because in our flesh, we can't overcome. In other words, it takes more than willpower to change us. That all of us have this sin nature and this desire to do the things that are not good for us. Anybody else besides me have these desires to do the things that aren't good for you? Constantly, these appetites to do these things, and our flesh is almost like trying to tra- train a rebellious child. And you, you constantly are finding yourself saying, No, I shouldn't do that. No, I shouldn't say that. No, I shouldn't go there. And what Paul wants us to understand is that you'll never be able to overcome your sin patterns, you'll never be over, able to overcome those bad habits that plague your life in and of your own strength. So if I can't defeat sin and Satan in the flesh, then I need something else outside of the flesh, and that's where the Spirit of God steps in. Look at what he says. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, when you are in the spirit, he gives you life and the ability to overcome the dead works of sin and Satan in our lives. The pathway to victory and real life is to put your trust in Christ. And when you do, he gives you the promise of the spirit that you and I are dwelt and dwelt with the spirit of God. And that's a major thing. And the fact that you just didn't shout tells me I didn't explain it right. Because when you understand that you have the Spirit of God in you, that changes everything. So how do you get it? Well, verse number 11 hopefully gives you a glimpse. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There we go. That same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Look at what Paul just said. That that same spirit that on the third day we just sang about raised Jesus from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave. If you have put your trust in Jesus, that same spirit is inside of you. So that means there's nothing that Satan can throw your way that you can't overcome if God be for us. If God be for us, he is greater than the world against us. It doesn't matter what this life throws our way. If we are in Christ, we have the power to overcome death, hell, and the grave. We have resurrected power within us. And we got to remind ourselves of that each and every day. Now, he says that it will also strengthen your mortal bodies. It will bring life to your mortal bodies. And every time I, I read that, I think of my father. My father, uh, Richard Brooks Sr., went home to be with the Lord in, in 2003. My father was an interesting guy. You would have loved to have met him. He met him. He uh, was a teacher and, and uh, served in that capacity for like 27 years. But towards the end of his life, uh, my father got sick, had a lot of different ailments, heart issues, and, and, and just really became kind of frail. But he loved Jesus. And I remember being in my home, the type of uh, uh, interactions we would have is my father would often recite major uh, passages of Scripture to me. He had major portions of Scripture memorized. And he would say, uh, son, recite this, this verse. And, and I would try to recite it. And if I got it wrong, he'd say, do it again, do it again. Because for him, the Word of God was a treasure and you had to get it right if you got anything right. But I remember times in our living room where he'd be kind of slumped over in the couch because of pain in his body or weakness in his body. But as soon as he began to talk about Jesus, something began to change. My father would sit erect. He would sit straight up in his, in his seat, and I knew what was coming next. Next thing you know, he's pacing the floor, and he's giving me a private sermon as if he was a revivalist in a big auditorium full of people. And he would have all this life and all this energy as he proclaimed the gospel to his son, an audience of one. And as soon as he was done sharing from the word of God, it was as if the power would be gone and he would just kind of slump down in that chair. But there was something that was different about my father when he was proclaiming the gospel. What was it? It was the spirit of Christ bringing life. That's what happens when you and I put our trust in Jesus and when we share the good news of Christ with others, the spirit of God empowers us. We have spiritual and resurrection life within us and don't let anyone convince you otherwise. God's spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you, amen? amen? Well, he goes on in verses 12 and 13 to give us another profound truth, and that is, is that you owe nothing to the flesh. Look at what he says here. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I love what he says here that we are not debtors to the flesh anymore. 
Now, what he means when he says that we are not debtors to the flesh, in, in Roman times, that would have been very significant because to be a debtor means that you owe a debt. And if we know anything about uh, the New Testament, our sin debt was the greatest debt of all. And what he wants us to know is that Christ paid our debt off for us. Now, my friends, uh, again, another great place to shout because I don't know about you, anytime somebody pays a debt for me, I get pretty excited. Now, you think about whatever your debt is. You think about whatever your debt is. I don't care if it's a mortgage or a house note or something you owe, student loans, whatever it is. Imagine if someone comes to you one day and says, I just paid your debt off for you. How are you responding to that? Praise God. Well, our debt to God because of sin was so insurmountable that we could not pay it ourselves. We've wronged too many people. We've done too many things that have offended God. We've made too many mistakes. You cannot use your eraser to fix this. There's certain problems in our families we can't fix. There's certain uh, issues in particular between us and God that we cannot reconcile. But Christ Jesus reconciles our sin debt, changing us, changing us now from debtors to being in the position of forgiven and in the favor of God. We are no longer debtors. We have been forgiven. Praise Jesus for that forgiveness. I am forgiven and my debt has been paid. Now, in Rome, what happens when you have a debt that you can't pay? Well, you become an indentured servant. You become a slave. So in many ways, this is Paul it's his way of announcing that you and I are no longer slaves, but you and I are free. We're no longer slaves, but we're free. Why? Because we have put our trust and confidence in Christ alone for salvation, not in our flesh. And if we put our confidence in him, he gives us forgiveness, fills us with the spirit of God, and we are no longer slaves, but we are free. Now, I wanna ask you a question. What does it feel like to be a former slave? Now, most of us won't, won't be able to answer that question because we've never experienced what it feels like to be a former slave. That's why I praise God that we have the writings of former slaves in this country. You know, on this Veterans Day, I want to just bring to your attention one historical figure. Uh, she's arguably one of the greatest Christians and one of the greatest veterans that our country has ever produced. Her name is Harriet Tubman. If you've ever studied her life, you know that this astonishing little woman lived an extraordinary life. They called her Mama Moses, and here's why. Harriet Tubman was born into slavery. She lived between 1822 and, and 1913, some pretty tumultuous years in our, in our nation's history. She escaped slavery from the South, went to Philadelphia in the North. And as if that was not enough, not, not enough for her, her own self to be free, she decided to lead these rescue missions across what's become, become known as the Underground Railroad. She did 13 missions, highly dangerous missions, rescuing slaves from the South, bringing them to the North so that they can experience freedom too. She did that for like 70 slaves. 
She became renowned in this country. Presidents knew of Harriet Tubman. Frederick Douglass spoke of Harriet Tubman. She uh, uh, officially became a part of the military during the Civil War where she served as a scout for the Union Army as a woman, as a black woman. That would have been unprecedented and extraordinary during that time. But she served her nation well. But Harry Tubman had this very powerful quote that I never want you to forget. She says this concerning her rescue missions. She says, I could have freed a thousand more if they would have only known they were slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if they would have only known that they were slaves. You see, you and I often don't know that we're in the bondage to the flesh. You and I often don't know that we have put our trust in something that will ultimately fail us until that thing we've put our trust in disappoints. But that's a devastating moment to discover that I should have never put my trust or my identity in my job. I should have never put my trust or my identity in the politics of this world. I never should have put my trust or my identity in my social status. Don't wait for those things to be stripped away. Don't wait till you hit right bottom. But now, as you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, harden not your heart, put your trust in him, experience new life, become free, accept his offer to pay our debt and to give us a new identity in Christ and whom the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. But it starts with us knowing that we are slaves and that salvation is found in him and in him alone. Amen. He says we can be free, but he goes on and says something even more profound. In the last few verses of this section, he announces to the Romans and to us by extension that we have received adoption into God's family. Look at what he says in verse 14. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now that's an important verse. How do I know if I'm a son or a daughter of God? Am I allowing the Spirit of God to lead me? And the spirit of the word always agrees. The spirit in the word always agrees. So as I attune my ear, my heart to the voice of the Lord, I do that by studying his word because the spirit of God will always lead me in accordance to the word of God. So if I'm wondering if this voice that I'm hearing is just me and what I ate last night, or if it's the enemy trying to influence me, or if it's God, how do I know the difference? The litmus test is the word of God. But am I seeking to please God? Am I seeking to say, Spirit, lead me and I will obey? If that's your desire, then you are a child of God. He goes on to say, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I, I wish I had three more hours because there's too much here for me to cover in just a few minutes, but let me give my best effort. The first thing that he wants us to understand is that we are no longer slaves, but we are children of God. Notice what he referred to God as. He referred to God as Abba. Friends, that was highly offensive during this time. The, the Hebrews would have uh, 
referred to God as Hashem. Hashem means the name. They wouldn't have even said his name. They wouldn't have dared say Elohim or Adonai. They would have said Hashem because his name is too holy to even reference. He is God and we are created, cre- uh, creatures of the creator. But what Jesus says is, no, we're not just creatures of the creator, but if we have put our trust in him, he is not only God, but he is father, he is Abba, he is daddy, and I can come into his presence and be received as his own, that he loves me. And there is a standing invitation to come into the presence of God. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless griefs we bear. All because we do not take it to the Lord in prayer. He is constantly saying, come to me, come to me, and I will relieve your heart of your burden. But he goes on to say that we are heirs. That we are heirs of what? That we get an inheritance. And what is our inheritance? It is the promises of God. Every promise in this word of God for you and for me is yes and amen in Jesus. Now you think about the precious promises. Man, you just make a list. I encourage you, begin to read through the New Testament and make a list of all his promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he promises that you will have resurrected bodies, that we will be with him forever. You list all of those promises. All of those are yours in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that truth. Well, why is all of this possible? It's because we've been adopted. Now, you know, this is National Adopt- uh, Adoption Month. And this, um, this past uh, Friday night, uh, my wife and I were invited with many others to a gala, a fundraising dinner for a ministry that we've supported here as a church called House of Providence. Now, House of Providence is this amazing uh, ministry. I call it ministry. It's more than an organization that uh, uh, has homes for boys and girls that are in foster care, and, and really they invite them into a family into a family, and we got a chance to hear the life-changing impact that they've had on the lives of these boys and girls. But maybe the, the climactic moment of that entire event is they had the boys and girls to write on, uh, on these big boards what life was like or how they felt before they came into the family and how they feel now that they're in the family. And so on one side, they would hold up a board that said, this is how I felt before and this is how I feel now. And these, these little kids, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking on the one hand because uh, one of the signs says that I was uh, afraid, that, that I was afraid, but now, Flip that over. Now that I'm in the family, I feel safe. How many think that's beautiful? Now, I was afraid before I was brought into this family, but now I feel, feel safe. Another uh, one said that uh, I didn't feel loved. I felt that I was unlovable before I was in the family, but now I feel loved now that I'm in the family. That's power. That's power to change your identity from being unlovable to being loved. Maybe the most heartbreaking one is one kid said that, that I hated my life and wanted to die before I was in the family. Can you imagine a little, a little guy saying that? But now that I'm in the family, I love my life. How many think that's absolutely awesome? The keynote speaker that night was adopted herself, and she said that she grew up 
going from home to home, foster home, foster home, uh, with this file that, that label her as unadoptable, unadoptable. But now she says, I've been adopted, not just by my adopted family, but I have been adopted into the family of God. And she's going on to accomplish so many great things, books and podcasts and all these wonderful things. Being adopted changed everything for her. And being adopted into God's family changes everything for us. And so maybe like that speaker, you feel like you are unadoptable. Maybe you feel like you are unforgivable. Maybe you feel like all of the things that you have done wrong, that it is too late for you to start a relationship with God. Let me just tell you, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is able to forgive us and change us and restore us and reconcile us to God. It is not based off of your power and my power. We are not in the flesh. We are not self-reliant. We don't depend on ourselves or our strength or our ability to make things right to bring us salvation. Only Christ makes things right. But here's the good news. We are in a season, a dispensation of grace where he says, come to to me with all your shame and all of your sin and all of your brokenness and all of your guilt. You don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. There is salvation and it's available to you and to me today if we only trust in Jesus for our salvation. Amen. So the only question today is will you accept his offer, his invitation for adoption? What's your before and after story? Maybe your before story is before I came to Christ, I felt unforgivable, but now I'm forgiven. Before I came to Christ, I felt defeated or overwhelmed, but now I know that I am victorious in Jesus. Here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to get your story and to tell your story. Tell your story to others so that others might know the freedom and the salvation and the new identity that we can have in Jesus. Everyone stand, we're gonna close in worship. But as we close in worship, I wanna invite those who are watching online, if today you wanna start a relationship with Jesus, just type connect, it'll be the best thing you've ever done. Just do it today. And if you're in this auditorium, after we're done worshiping, I want you to come to the front so we can pray with you. Father, thank you that today your truth and your promise is that we are no longer slaves, but we are free. Today, I pray that those who are still bound by sin, by fear, by self-reliance, performance-based relationship with you, that we would go free. Help us to celebrate what it means to be a son and daughter of the Most High. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people with a loud voice said, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.